Hey out there, Mizzou fans. Welcome into what should be an interesting edition of the dance class presented by Burger Smokehouse. Um, I anticipate the first half of the show is going to go really well. We're going to have a lot of comments. Everybody's going to feel really good. And then it's all going to fall apart. The internet will probably go out. The graphics will be bad. I'll lose my voice and you'll just start swearing at me. So um, that's about how tonight has gone so far. Um, one of the stranger games I've ever seen. Missouri on cruise control up 39-27 at half. Scores 15 seconds into the second half to take a 41-27 lead. From there on out, 51-22 Mississippi State. The Bulldogs shoot 67.9% in the second half. Missouri basically kind of forgets how to do everything. Um, I, I mean, at one point, they had been outscored 39-13. to They forgot how to run offense. Um, they forgot what a good shot was. They forgot how to defend everything everything that they had done in the first half they didn't do in the second half um so before we get into this and we'll have some of your comments we'll play Conzo Martin's post game and all that once again we are brought to you every night after every conference basketball game plus TCU plus the postseason by Burger Smokehouse it's third and fourth generation owned family owned business and operated in California, Missouri. They've got pulled pork, brisket, smoked ham, smoked turkey, ribs, anything you want, they've got it. The bacon is uh, famous statewide, if not beyond that. Uh, excellent stuff. I've had it quite a few times. You can get it online at smokehouse.com. You can get it at various grocery stores throughout the state of Missouri, including Schnucks, Gerbs, and Hy-Vee right here in Columbia. So check out Burger Smokehouse. They're making what we do possible here. And um, appreciate you guys being here. And we will get to your comments. As Mark Robinson says, we need to discuss this now. This was ridiculous. It was relatively ridiculous. We will discuss it now. But first... We're going to let Conzo Martin discuss it. Um, we just finished talking to Coach. It's about eight or nine minutes long. He talked to us from the locker room in Starkville. So I'm going to play that for you guys. We'll come back, talk about what he said. We'll take your comments. We'll take your calls, all that. But real quick, here's Conzo Martin. Hey, Coach Martin. I mean, up 14 in the second half. Did you did you sense a change in your team or, or in the way they were playing? Or can you put your finger on what happened exactly? I really can. It's, it's one thing I said to our staff after the game, what happened? And just slowly and all of a sudden they make a run and make plays. I thought we had one of our better halves uh, all season in the first half, really moving the ball, sharing the ball, defending, protecting the lane. And everything we want out of the ball screen actions, dives behind you. Uh, and then the second half, it just, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I need to watch film to see exactly what happened, but just wasn't the same team, especially I think we were 14 and I don't know what 17 minute mark and the game chart kind of changed from there. Gabe. Conzo, did you sense any during that run? Did you feel like your team lost composure, shot selection, or anything on the offensive end? I thought uh, they did in spurts. We're trying to get back into it. And uh, I thought maybe one or two before they start to make the run, uh, instead of just continuing, like we talked about, take what they give you. Just take what they give you, make the right play. The game will take care of itself. And I thought, I don't know if we got consumed with us having the lead and not making the plays that got us there in the first place, and we paid for it. Eric? Conzo, how do you uh, just 
go about correcting whatever you saw went wrong? Is, is it more so just letting the team get back on the floor and making this a quick for better or something else? No, I think, again, to be specific in areas, I have to watch film. But I just really thought from this, like in the first half, I thought we did a great job moving the ball, sharing the basketball, taking the scout report to the floor. And that part was great. And I think in the second half, maybe around the 17-minute seven, mark, maybe a quick shot here, off-balance shot here. They make a play a foul here. Then when you take Tilly out, um, I think he got a three fouls. We took him out. Then all of a sudden, they got to run. They got their heads up. I thought we missed some open shots, too. Uh, and it just went from there. And they played They played assertive. And then I thought Stewart made some big-time shots. He, he consistently made shots. Mitch? Conzo, you mentioned Stewart and he and Molinar I think, combined for 36 points in that second half. I mean, was that is that just, you know, them knocking out shots? Or is there something that, that you, you feel like should have, you know, maybe been done differently on the defensive end on your all's part? No, we, of course, have to be better. Because we were better in the first half. It's just really, again, taking pride. Um, keeping the ball out of the lane like we did in the first half. We didn't do a very good job in the second half of keeping the ball out of the lane. I thought I thought DJ Stewart made a couple of tough shots, maybe three or four tough ones. But other than that, I thought Molinar was getting in the lane. That, that can't happen. We got to stop the ball high, force those bigs to shoot perimeter shots. And then, you know, if you shoot the ball, you got to block out. Um, and I thought we did all those things in the first half. Dave Matter. Tonzo, I know you were concerned about them on the offensive glass and the, the second chance points were really uh... – lopsided there just just how big were some of those putbacks that they got tonight we know that bigs are physical and, and they were they were key putbacks i think they had six offensive rebounds in the first half in the second half they got key ones but the key with their team if you allow their guards to get in lane and make plays they have physical guards you help up you better block the shot if not they're bigs on the backside getting offensive rebounds and that's what happened you, you got to keep them out of lane you got to keep those big bodies off the glass and uh, they took advantage especially in the second half Sweetie. Dave just kind of asked the question I was going to ask, but just on, when you look at the rebounding margin that is 37 to 22, just for, for this team in particular, and I know it's, you preach it every game for this Mississippi State team, just how, how big was that coming in? That's the biggest thing with that team. They, they crash off with some glass. They have big bodies. They, you know they crash in glass. Now you just got to take pride in blocking guys out. Again, I said it three times, the same thing we did in the first half. Yeah, and again, I thought they had six offers rebound, but I thought we did a great job of cracking down, being physical, driving guys back. And you have to maintain that. I mean, this is a team that will keep coming, they'll keep hitting you, and, and you have to take pride. And it can't just be Jeremiah. Other guys got to take pride in hitting bodies and blocking out. Jack? Conzo, what's your message to the team when uh, Mississippi State's going on this kind of run the second half and you start to feel the game slipping away like that? Well, you know, a couple of things. depend on the situation gather yourself, maintain your composure. This is what we need to do. Because if you see what's going on at that particular time, you address that situation. That's what we need to do to get stops. That's what we need to do to maintain. we got to focus on these things. And, and what happens, you have to settle in and you have to slowly get stops. I mean, you're not going to get five stops in one possession. you got to slowly get stops. Then you got to execute on the other side of the basketball. I thought we had some shots that it just didn't go in in the, in the second half. And then all of a sudden, we couldn't get stops. And that's how that lead escalated. Dave? Javon gave you a little, a little spark there in the first half, but how much are you still really searching for some, some offense off the bench, some scoring there? Uh, I, th I think, you know, like, like Mitch, we, we got to somehow get Mitch going. So I thought Mitch had some opportunities. I thought he had some open threes because we got to find a way to get him going because that's another element. I thought Javon had great energy there. Uh, and it's not so much as, you know, searching for it as long as those guys do what they need to do, but, but we got to find a way to get Mitchell Smith going. Mitch. 
Kunza, you've talked a lot this season about, you know, guys having experience and having kind of taken their lumps and, and learning from that experience. I guess, does it, you know, concern you at all when you, you see an experienced group kind of have that, that second half, or are you pretty confident that, that you know, this will be contained to that half? Well, I'm confident we'll get it corrected, but I mean, the, the biggest focus is, like I said to our guys, when, when you're one of the top teams in the country, you have a number in front of you, teams approach you differently. There's a level of respect and you have to maintain it with your work on the floor. And all of a sudden you give, you give a team an inkling of think, okay, we can compete with these guys. Let's do this. This will work. And then all of a sudden now they make it a ball game because everybody's talented and you, you're going to get teams best shots. And I just told those guys when we were a team that was searching, trying to be ranked in all those things, we put everything in our power to try to win that game. And that's what they did. You're talking about a talented team, experienced physical team. They are, and uh, they won the game. They just they set a different tone in the second half, and we paid for it. Okay. Conza, how much of your job right now do you think is just to stay even keel? I mean, you really could have sung your team's praises over and over again after Saturday, and tonight you really could have done the exact opposite. How much is it just to stay calm, cool, and collected right now do you think is part of your job? I just think that's who you are because, again, uh, winning and losing is a very fine line. The last thing you want to do is, you know, break spirits. Because if you're a competitive basketball player, you take pride in what you do. I mean, there's certain things we address amongst each other. But when you're a competitive player and you love this and it pains you to lose games, you already feel certain things anyway. Uh, and you, you, you address stuff as a team. There's certain things I'll say in a locker room that I won't say in other settings because you want to respect their space and it's always a team and it's a family. But um, we just got we got to, we got to get more toughness in certain areas, especially in the second half when teams are making run. We got to get a little more grit to us, and they they made enough plays, and we just didn't we couldn't bounce back. We got time for a couple more, Colin. Hey, Coach Martin, your your team seems pretty well equipped to guard the three point line and the rim, but pull up jump shooters were a bit of an issue against Tennessee, and then again tonight is is that a defensive weakness for this team? Do you think, and how do you go about correcting that, or is this just the caliber of players in the SEC? I wouldn't necessarily say it's a weakness. You're talking about two teams that made pull-ups because you, you're also talking about probably the lowest percentage shot. Now, they made the shots, uh, but I'll, I'll take my chance any day. I think if you look at uh, any type of analytics, those are the toughest shots. You're talking about tough twos. Uh, maybe you're talking about guys that are probably 6'6", six, six, shooting over guys that are 6'3", and 6'4", but, but I'll take my chances on guys you know, taking tough two-pointers. Sweetie. Kazo, you guys have done a pretty good job getting to the free throw line all season, but only six trips today. Just what what kind of went into that, you think? I just think, you know, again, it, when they had three fouls in the second half, and it's just I, I, I'm not sure how many times I've seen that in my career where you have a team that plays man to man and only three fouls in the second half. I like to think we were getting downhill, crashing the glass and all that. So, but but it's, it's what it is. You, you deal with it, not to make any excuses, but it just. They're man. It's not as if they play in a zone. They play in a man-to-man defense. Uh, so there was some fouls somewhere, and it was a physical game. So I thought there was contact on the floor, but uh, that's not the reason why we lost the game. Last one, Ben Hawking. Uh, Conzo, real quick, you mentioned Mitchell Smith. Uh, what What are your desires for him from an offensive standpoint? Uh, do you want him shooting as many three pointers as he was taking? Yes, I want him shooting open threes. Those, those, those are shots he take a lot in practice. He makes them in practice. I want him shooting those open threes. I want him to be confident shooting them. Yes. All right. Thanks, Coach.
All right, so there you hear it, Conzo Martin from Starkville, uh, Missouri gets beat 78-63. We're going to put the, the phone number up on the screen right there. If you guys want to call in, uh, the Skype line is open. We will take your calls. Uh, we'll, we'll prioritize those. Anybody who's up with us and, and wants to give me a call and talk about this one, uh, we will do that. Um, I'm reading some of the comments in the chat and we'll put some of those on the screen as we go along. And, and I kind of agree. I, I just watching that game. I, I almost felt like it was over at halftime. Missouri was playing so well. Uh, Mississippi state was just didn't really appear super interested. Um, they weren't playing well at all. Everything Missouri was doing was working. Missouri was up 14 or 12 points at halftime. And, like in the back of my head, I knew I was thinking, it seems like it should be more. I even tweeted, I, I said, it seems like the lead should be bigger because 12 points, you know, is not insurmountable in a college basketball game. You know that that 12 points can can go away pretty quickly in a college basketball game. So in the back of my head, I knew it seemed like it should be a little bigger, but just everything had gone so well for Missouri that you kind of thought they were going to extend that and, and probably win by more than 12. And then here's what happened at the beginning of the second half. 15 seconds in, Tillman makes a layup to put him up 41-27. Next possession for Mississippi State is a turnover. So Missouri has the ball with a 14-point lead with 19.25 left. Um, Tolu Smith fouled Tillman after a, a steal. Kobe Brown missed a jumper. Tillman got the rebound. Pinson missed a jumper, jumper. Mississippi State got the rebound. So Mississippi State has the ball with 18.38 left, down 14 points. They got a putback by Tolu Smith. Missouri came right back. Drew Smith scored. 14-point lead with 18.28 to go in the game. From that point on, Missouri did just absolutely nothing right. Got outscored 49-20. to 20. The rest of the way. I mean, that is in. Look, if you had told me at some point that Missouri would get outscored by 30 points, like I would have been surprised, but I would have thought, yeah, I mean, it's happened before. You could see it. It's possible. But not after 22 minutes of, of just dominating the game. I mean, they weren't just winning. They were dominating every phase of that game. And then it just it was like a switch flipped and Mississippi State took all the energy Missouri had and Missouri just, I, I mean, they, they wilted. Um, and and I, I won't use the word quit. I don't think they quit trying, but they quit doing what got them there. And I thought really the point that, the, the play that I thought kind of marked, okay, this isn't going to happen. So they're down 55-52 with 7.45 left. Um, they come out of a timeout. Drew Smith misses a three. Uh, or Drew Smith misses a three. They go into the timeout with 7.26 left. They go down to the other end. DJ Stewart takes a, a bad off-balance three, and Drew Smith fouls him. Stewart made all three free throws. They went up 58-52 with 6.58 left, and at that point I thought, this is over. Missouri can't do this. And from that point, that was 58-52, to then 
Mississippi State went on an 11-2 run that put them up 15 and ended the game. And it was really during that run from the seven-minute mark to the three-minute mark that I thought Missouri just – they just panicked. And they looked like they, they all of a sudden just – had no idea what to do on either end of the floor. Um, and, and it was it was ugly. Uh, it absolutely was ugly. I don't think there's any question about it. So I, I'm going to run through some of your guys' comments. And, and again, well, here we go. We'll jump to the phone line. All right, 307 area code. Who's on the phone? Hey, Gabe, it's Jim Bob in Wyoming. How's it going? Not bad. What's up, Jim Bob? How you doing, man? Uh, well, you know, I mean, at least we got a nice <laughs> – football transfer today right you you've been better i assume yeah it's snowing hard outside so hopefully i'll go skiing this weekend there you go there you go you got that <laughs> yeah um so uh, gabe i'm wondering can you think of an any other example of a game where the halves were such different tales and i'm it, even thinking like the game against tennessee going into the game against arkansas this year those were drastically different but whole games you think of any example of of the half like that the only one and somebody pointed this out on twitter to me and it's it's as close as you can think of the second half of the second game the game in lawrence against uh ku missouri had a 26 point lead with like i don't know 17 and a half minutes left and ku ended up tying hates first year uh it was Yes, Hayes' first year. Um, and, yeah, and it was brutal, too. Yeah, and, and it was – they had, I, I think 26 was the number. That might be a little high. It might be 17, I, it, somewhere in there. It, they had a huge lead early in the second half. And because I specifically remember I was at that game, and I remember telling whoever I was sitting next to, I said, this game's not over. Because, like, that was Kansas. That was a top-five team in their building in a packed house like – you knew that they were not nearly as bad a team as they had played for 23 minutes. And I said, Missouri's got to get to like the next TV timeout with this lead still intact. And Kansas just kind of started chipping away and chipping away. And they ended up, I, I don't remember exactly when they got that game tied, but they did get the game tied. And, um, you know, then it, it goes to overtime. Phil Pressey was fouled at the end of regulation, wasn't called, whatever, goes to overtime and KU wins. Um, but that's the only one that I really remember that I can think that was like that. But there were some differences. I mean, the KU one was was just kind of it didn't seem quite as sudden. It seemed like over a like a ten minute stretch they made up this huge deficit. And also, again, that was a top five team that was loaded with talent. This is a fine Mississippi State team. I mean, there's nothing special about them. Um, and it was just it, it was not only the basketball, it was the energy. I mean, Mississippi State didn't look like they cared in the first half. And in the second half, I mean, they were jumping all over the place. They were so excited, and Missouri was just kind of looking around like, hey, we, what's happening here? Yeah. That's, the feeling was so different because it, wasn't, it yeah. wasn't even close at the end of this game. I mean, there was, you just knew there was no chance. You're right, yeah, and, and like I was just saying just before you called, when, when Drew Smith committed that foul on the three-point shooter with seven minutes left, I said, oh, this isn't going to go their way, and then foul. they just felt, oh, it was a terrible foul, and we'll talk about Drew Smith down the road because he is not playing well, but um, I, no. after that foul, I just felt like, 
I almost felt like Missouri said Missouri understood it wasn't going to happen then either because they just did everything wrong for the next four minutes on both ends of the floor. I mean, they were taking terrible shots. They were turning the ball over. They weren't getting stops. It was I, it was bizarre. And I mean, I, I know it's popular to to want to fire the coach and, and kill him, but like it was the same coach in the first half. You know, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know what happened. It was it was insane. Yeah, I, I try not to participate in the the daily or or by game coach firing conversations, but it would, um, it would be exhausting emotionally to live on the pendulum. Right, I think. right. Yes. Well, so the, and then they're so bad, and then all of a sudden, the last two minutes, game's out of hand, and then Pinton can get whatever he wants all of a sudden. What happened there? Yeah, I think that probably has some to do with Mississippi State just going. Yeah, I don't care. Get get two points at a time. It doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, you know, I mean, they were up Get 15 at that point. I, basically, the only thing Mississippi State's trying to do at that point is not foul and give them a three-point play. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't put a lot – I'll be honest, I, I was barely watching the last two minutes. I was getting <laughs> – I, I was typing up stats and getting stuff ready for this. I mean, by that point, the game was decided. Sure. I thought the game was, was over with about five minutes left to play, which is, again, bizarre. Like, you were up 14 points just 13 minutes ago. Uh, I've never seen it swing quite like that. So, all right. Well, thanks, Gabe. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Yeah. Enjoy the ski trip, Jim Bob. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. <well. laughs> all yeah. right. So, uh, Jim Bob calling in from Wyoming. And again, you guys want to call in? We're, we're here. We'll take them. There's the number right there 573 234 4935. We'll talk to you about it, kind of talk you through it. Maybe, you know, a little therapy here. Um, but. That, like I was saying, that that foul by Drew Smith, I thought was the play where I just said, "Ah, uh, yeah, this one is this is this is going to go badly," and it, it it went more badly than I could possibly imagine. And Drew Smith is a big part of that for this team right now. He is, he's not playing good basketball. He's not playing smart basketball. He's not playing like senior leader basketball at all. Um, look up his numbers. In this, the numbers I, I think look better than he was in this game. I mean, he had 11 points on five of nine shooting, but he had two rebounds, three assists, two turnovers, one steal. I mean, this is the guy that that you know is supposed to stuff the stat sheet and all that, and and he just he just didn't. Um, you know, he he hit a couple shots, but he's just not impacting the game, and and, and he's making bad plays at really bad times like the foul on the three-pointer and mark smith seven points on two of seven shooting i he just i don't know i I, i've seen enough that tells me against high level athletic competition mark smith can't be one of your go-to scorers i i don't think he can get it done um against the better competition i thought Tillman was good tonight, and that was good to see. He was engaged for a second straight night. He was 8 of 10 from the floor. He scored 16 points. I think most of them were dunks. He had six rebounds. Um, he, he got four fouls. At least one of them I thought was a terrible call, but he had one turnover. It was an offensive foul. He had a steal. Played 28 minutes. I, I thought he played well enough for Missouri to win this game. His problem was nobody else did. I didn't think Pinson was terrible. Pinson had 13, and again, the scoring kind of came late, but he had a career-high eight assists, and most of them were in the first half, and and he was running the show and, and doing pretty well. Um, that that went away in the second half. I don't know if that's all on him. 
but I, I thought he was the second best player on this team tonight, which might be an issue. But Drew Smith and Mark Smith are giving you almost nothing. Uh, Kobe Brown is not giving you much of anything. He played 17 minutes at five points. Uh, Mitchell Smith played 22 minutes at four points and was 0 of 4. Hey, Mitchell Smith and Kobe Brown, 1 of 7 from three-point range. And this is where I will agree with you guys on the coaching. It, they can't keep taking those shots. Conzo can't keep saying, I want them to take them. They can make them. They, they can't. I mean, they can't. They're sub-30% shooters. I've seen it for, you know, anywhere between a year and a half and three and a half years now. Those are bad shots for this team. Um, you, you've got to get something better. Now, there are times where, yeah, maybe those guys are going to have to take a three. But there is... If you're standing out there and you're wide open, there is a reason you're wide open. And it's not because the other team is scared to death you're going to make it. Uh, it's the exact opposite of that. And so that is where I will definitely side with you guys. At some point, Conzo has to come off this, I want my guys to shoot and, and they're good shots and they can make them. I, I don't care if they can make them in practice because they are absolutely not making them in games right now. So uh, we're going back to the phone line, 636 area code. What's going on? What's up, Gabe? It's Josh again. How you doing, Josh? What's up, man? Pretty good. I uh, hope you're doing pretty good, too. But, uh, you know, I'm sure you've kind of gotten this vibe, and I'm sure you brought it up before, but you've gotten this just from your board and just from, like, numbers on your site when it comes to football and basketball. You know, I just feel like basketball, not as many people care anymore. And part of it, like, this is why, like, what happened tonight, because, like, I like you know I'm I'm a younger fan I'm on the younger side but I still mm -hmm. remember some of those like early Hayes teams and stuff like that and you know I was able to get up for those teams but it's just hard to get up for a team like this because it's like I've been watching the same team for three years you know yeah um I think it's I think it's a few things I mean there are more football fans because we're in a time where the people who are really fans now like in their prime of being a sports fan grew up with Gary Pinkle and that was the best yeah. Missouri football has been and at the same time Missouri basketball was was going down um I, I think we talked about this maybe maybe it was even you that called in last time it's it's a little bit of an age thing if yeah. you're my age you grew up with Missouri basketball being good and football not being good this is the opposite but um yeah Missouri basketball has not had sustained success for I, we're getting close to 20 years. Uh, Quinn Snyder went to four NCAA tournaments in his first four years. Now, Mike Anderson, I would argue, had you know sustained success for for a couple years, and then into the first year of Haith, um, I think they made three or four straight. Then, so if you want to count that as the last time, we're talking about a decade. Um, but the only time Missouri's been relevant in the last seven years nationally is for about 45 minutes with Michael Porter Jr. Um, they are again this year. Like we need to understand, still they're seven and two. They're in the top twenty. Yeah. Um. It it's it's a good year, uh, so far. And it it, it it what I'm fighting back against tonight more than and fighting back. It's a strong word. I'm I'm not. But what I disagree <laughs> with tonight is, it, it's just it can't. Every game can't be a referendum. And look, I I I won't disagree with somebody who says, look, I didn't like the hire of Conzo at the beginning. And I didn't like it after his first year, and I don't like it now, and I don't think he's going to get the job done. That's fair. But my my bigger issue is 
Last Wednesday, we're burying him and want to fire him. Then Saturday, all of a sudden, look how tough this team is. I love it. They came back. It's good to have Missouri basketball back. And now tonight, we want to fire him again. I mean, to live on that emotional pendulum would be exhausting to me. And maybe it's not the same people, but my guess is it's some of the same people. Um, yeah, no. But I understand what I, you're saying. I, it's hard to get invested in at times. Yeah, no, and I'm I, – I, I, I kind of – most – some of the time I consider myself kind of a knee jerk reaction fan. Like I totally understand it. And, but you know, I will give Clonzo credit for, you know, I, I think he's done a good job this year so far, just given what he has to work with. But at the same time, you know, giving yourself a good group of players to work with yes. is half the job. So that, of course, I, I know that's what most fans are upset about, but then uh, you were talking about, you know, it's been a long time since they've been relevant. And, you know, sometimes that, you know, that's, that's part of the reason I feel like we don't recruit. Well, I mean, today's yeah. recruits just don't remember when Mizzou was good and they just like, they, it yeah. doesn't matter to them. Now what Martin has going for him, I believe is that more programs than ever are recruiting at levels that they haven't before, because I think in basketball, it's a little bit, bit easier to get momentum. Just the question is yeah. whether or not Kwanzo can get that momentum. Yeah. It, uh, I, I mean, I would actually say you said getting the players is half the job in college basketball. I think it's about 80%. Recruiting is 80% yeah. of the job um, because the guys with the, the better players almost always win um, in, yeah. in basketball. So, and, and and I understand I, – I do understand the frustration, and we talked about this last Wednesday too. But my frustration is let's talk about this game tonight and not make it about the last seven years, right? Like this game was frustrating yeah. enough without going back seven years and, and dragging every other loss into it. But, you know, when every loss becomes – more proof because we'll remember that one time he did this two and a half years ago. I mean, it's, I, we're having different discussions, I think, you know? Um, and, and so I, I completely understand being frustrated with where things are, but I think you also have to take a half step back. And I, I mean, we talked about it on our pregame show tonight when this game, this week to me was actually going to be more telling than last week because Tennessee and Arkansas, those were the two toughest games probably on your whole schedule. So I said this right. week, if if you go, I, I said teams that are going to win the SEC or that are going to maybe finish second in the SEC, go 2-0 and this week. They win at Mississippi State and they beat LSU at home. Now I said, if Missouri doesn't do that, that doesn't mean it can't be a good season. But it does mean to me mm -hmm. they're probably not going to be first or second in this league. They're more going to be fighting for, like, are they fourth or fifth in that range? And, and that's good. I mean, where they've been, yeah. you know, it's still an NCAA tournament season. It's a lot better than they've been. But it's I, – I don't think I, – again, I think teams that are going to win this league win this game. Yeah, and w one more thing I will throw into – uh, I just I think the reason fans are so they want to fire Kwanzo after every bad game is just because just from what we've seen throughout the Kwanzo tenure, you know, so far uh, it's been disappointing. I, you know, yeah. I think most would agree with that. It's been disappointing. So they're just waiting for that one game where they can point and be like, oh, yep, there's the Kwanzo Martin I know. There's the Mizzou yeah. basketball I know. But yeah, uh, I appreciate the insight, Gabe, and uh, thanks for taking my call. All right, Josh, appreciate you calling in, man. Thanks, and and thanks for staying up late and uh, and hanging out with us. Uh, all you guys that are that are here, thanks for 
hanging out with us. It's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night now. I know some of you probably have real jobs that uh, this is not actually your job and you're just here in your free time. So do appreciate that. I know Burger Smokehouse appreciates that. Again, uh, go to smokehouse.com, go to any grocery store in mid-Missouri or really all over the state of Missouri. You can get any of their fine products. They are helping us put this show on every night. We're going to do this after every Missouri basketball game the rest of the season. Uh, if you want to call in, the number is there, but now I, I know there's a lot of comments building up, and and I want to kind of uh, ro- roll through some of these. Mark Robinson says, go back before halftime. The energy completely left the team. You may be right, Mark. I don't remember thinking that live. Um, I didn't notice it until Mississippi State started to make the run. Um, even early in the the second half, again, Tillman came out and scored and, and everything looked fine. And then like, that's the thing. I can't really pinpoint a moment where you go, well, that turned it around. It was just like, all of a sudden it it was like, here's what it was like when whatever video game system you grew up playing, I grew up playing Sega Genesis, right? There was an NBA game and you could put computer assist on, which means once you got down like 20 points, the computer was going to help out the guy that was behind to make a competitive game. It was like Ben Howland hit the computer assist button with 18 minutes left to go. And all of a sudden, somebody just reached down from above and said, Missouri, you are no longer allowed to do things well. And Mississippi State, you're all of a sudden going to look like a Final Four basketball team. Uh, and I don't know what spurred it. Like, no, There's no specific play or specific thing. There wasn't even like, a, hey, Mississippi State made this big play and they drew energy for it. It was just all of a sudden it just changed. Um, it just at the drop of a hat, and it was it was really bizarre. And, Mark, like I said, I'm not saying you're wrong. You might be right, but I don't remember watching live seeing anything at the end of the first half that tells me it had changed. Um Adam says, when we don't score in transition, we don't know how to score. Our offense is pick and roll with Pinson. If that's not there, we stand around praying for a terrible shot to go in. I'll I'll agree with a lot of that. When they're not getting easy baskets, when they're not scoring in transition, this is not a good half-court offensive team. It is completely reliant on Xavier Pinson and Jeremiah Tillman. Now, Drew Smith last year, I felt like, did a pretty good job getting in the paint, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. That's not happening this year. And I don't know if it's because, my guess is it's because other SEC teams have a scouting report on him. They've seen him a little bit. They know how to stop him, and he's not a great athlete. Um, He's not Pinson. He's not 100 miles an hour, you know, Tasmanian devil spinning and and creating out there. He's, it, it takes him a little bit uh it, it's a different approach and it's not happening right now uh but I Adam I agree with a lot of those criticisms um you know I, I think those are fair uh certainly um David says they drove in the first half then it turned into Mitchell Smith Kobe Brown three point showed the two worst three point shooters and drew with more turnovers uh Tillman dumb fouls uh, it, again I thought Tillman's uh I think it was his third foul was an offensive was an illegal screen. I thought that was a bad call, honestly, and then he got his fourth one like twelve seconds later. Um, but yeah, the the Mitchell Smith Kobe Brown stuff that's a thing. I, I, like, I mean, I've I've look, I I have different conversations offline sometimes than I have publicly, and I've told people like those guys can't shoot the the three. I I don't. I mean, the coach has to step in at some point, and I agree with that. That's that's a place you hold Conzo Martin responsible. 
he needs to step in and say, this isn't your shot. You can't make them. We've got to stop doing it, you know. So, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, Jake says, one of the biggest second-half turnarounds I've ever seen. Agreed. Adam wants to know, why do we suck against Mississippi State? Eight, Mississippi State's now won eight out of nine against Missouri. Um, and some of them have been really ugly games. We talked on the pregame show, 72-45 last year in Starkville. Um, it, and I, I don't think it's just a Ben Howland thing. I think it's gone, you know, it was even before, uh, it, it was before Conzo was here. It, I don't know if it was before Howland was here or not, but um, I, you know what Mississippi State always has, I think, if and this goes back to like when I was in college, when I watched a lot more basketball than I do now. They've always had athletes, man. Uh, Dante Jones, Eric Dampier, like they've had dudes, right, um, that – that can, they haven't always been a great team, but they've always had some guys that you just look at and say that's a pretty good individual player. And and one thing I do think has to be done tonight is to give some credit to Iverson Molinar and to DJ Stewart. They combined to score forty four points on seventeen of thirty shooting, nine and nine from the line, one of two from three. By the way, Mississippi State took a grand total of six threes, but in the second half, Iverson Molinar six for 10, 16 points. D.J. Stewart, 8 for 10, 20 points. So Stewart and Molinar combined to score 36 of Mississippi State's 51 points in the second half. Uh, Missouri couldn't stop them. Um, and, and and I agree with Conzo. So not all of those shots were just like, you know, layups and, and open five-foot jumpers. Like, they hit some tough shots, too. Um, and they do deserve credit for that. Uh, again, a, a turnaround like that doesn't happen without help from the team that was ahead. But we also do have to give Mississippi State some credit for, you know, not packing it in at halftime. Um, uh, yeah, there you go, Zachary. Second second half was the Iverson-Molinar ISO show. And I, I don't know for sure who was guarding him because I didn't watch it um, quite, you know, it, live – I, I I don't remember the matchup, but, um, you know, whoever was on Molinar had trouble. Whoever was on Dwight Stewart had trouble, too. Um, when do we start looking at just how similar Odom and Conzo are? Odom played most of last year without a healthy QB and All-American linebacker. Why does he not get a pass for injuries, but Conzo does? Um, well, the, the, the simple reason is because Odom took over a program that was in – I mean – it wasn't in the worst shape Missouri football's ever been in. And Missouri basketball was when Conzo walked in. Like, they gave him that six-year deal, and you knew. Like, he gets those six years, or he gets most of it. Uh, this is year four. He's going to get this year. He's going to get next year. And then next spring, hey, if we're talking about four missed tournaments and three missed tournaments in four years and a program going the wrong direction and the recruiting's not there, then that's a discussion we'll have next spring. But part of the reason I get exasperated after every game when we try to have a discussion about this job is it's not going to happen this year. Um, you know, maybe if they wouldn't have been good this year and COVID wouldn't have happened, then maybe it would have happened this year, but COVID saved his job. And then again, like they're pretty good. They're 13th in the country. You know, if they went on Saturday, they're still going to be probably top 16 or 17 in the country. They're not going to fall that far for a road loss at Mississippi state. Um, I know we see it and know how it happened. Most people won't. Most people will just go and look. Eh, 
That's where they must have played well, lost by 15 at Starkville. But Mississippi State's not bad. They won't get dinged too bad for it if they come back and win Saturday. Now, they lose Saturday. They're going to fall. Probably not all the way out, but they'll fall significantly. Um, all right. Let me keep on rolling through here. Um, writing is on the wall with Conzo. He's a high floor, low ceiling coach that will live around the bubble every three years. He's not going to do anything special here. I, I think that's fair. Like I've literally said that since the day he was hired. Um, I, I, I use that exact phrase, high floor, low ceiling. I use that exact phrase like the week he was hired. And that was my concern. My concern was you were going to be happy with anybody that replaced Kim Anderson because that person was automatically going to be better than Kim Anderson. I mean, Kim was, was the least successful coach this program's ever had, and, and anybody was going to look better. But I said, don't – you know, it, it's a good is the enemy of great thing. Like, Conzo's a solid coach, but he hasn't shown in nine years previous to this that he can get a program to the point where you guys want it, where Missouri basketball fans think it can be. Um, now, you know, I, I got a text from a friend of mine the other night that put it pretty well. He said, I've come to the conclusion, like, Conzo's a really good bridge coach. He, he's going to build it up from where it was. You're not going to be awful. He's going to get it to a point where you can hire a better guy when he decides he's done. Um, and, and I think maybe that's true. Like, I don't think Conzo's a Final Four coach. I don't think anybody's going to call him a top ten in the country coach, anything like that. But he's a good, he does a good job. He gets programs going, um, you know, and, and maybe that maybe that's ultimately what his job will end up having been here. Um, but we'll see down the road. I mean, you know, all it takes is to get hot at the right time. I mean, hey, if if Missouri's first six games of the season had been in the NCAA tournament, like you're talking about a Final Four team, because, like, that was basically an NCAA tournament. All right, first game is against Oral Roberts. That's like a 15 seed. Then your second game is against Wichita. That's like a, a seven seed. And then, hey, Sweet 16, you're getting Oregon. Elite eight, you're getting Illinois. And there you go. You're in the Final Four. And Missouri won those four games pretty much in a row. So if you do that at the right time, it's it's not impossible by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so it's, it's too early to say he's not going to do anything special here. But I don't think it's unfair to think to have that opinion. So, all right, going to uh, the phone lines, 573. Who am I talking to? Hey. Hey, who's on the phone? Am I on? Yeah. This is Tigger 100. What's up, man? How are you? Good. Watching the show, listening. Uh, just like the last point that was made about uh, the next step, you know, getting to that next coach. Do you think that? Possibly that next coach needs to be young, vibrant, something like we went with drink, because I feel like this needs a Quinn Snyder redo, obviously, with different, uh, you know, a different result than the end of that regime. <laughs> but I feel like that that is something that we need because we have to score. NBA, NBA has showed us that you need to shoot from the outside and you score at the bucket. And defense is always carry over defense you can play anywhere you can play a defense anywhere it does need to have that energy and everything else but i i'm kind of to the point now where i feel like we're gonna have to find a way to score is that not kind of what you're saying too a little bit yeah i mean you do you definitely 
you need more offense, and I've said this at times over the last couple of years. Like, you can't go into every game thinking you're going to win 59-58 because on some nights the other guys are just going to make shots, and I think that's a little bit what happened tonight. Molinar and Stewart just made some shots, and so then you've got to have a guy that can respond by making shots, and right now Missouri really doesn't have that guy. Um, it, it, now, the interesting thing is, like, they looked better offensively the first few games this year, and I don't I, – I'm not sure why that was – um, I'm not sure what they were doing then that they aren't doing now. I mean, against Oregon, they hit a million threes, and I get that. But against Oral Roberts, I mean, they didn't. Um, you know, they but they put up 91 points. And, um, they, shoot, right. they put up 81 against Illinois, and they didn't shoot the ball great in that game. Um, I, I They were getting to the line more. That's one thing. But But I guess I can't quite put my finger on why this team seems to have gone back to last year offensively when for the first six games of this year, they look pretty good offensively. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I kind of agree with you on that and I'm, I'm 40 just so you know, so I kind of go mm-hmm. back to the older age of, of watching the norm norm. That's what I grew yep. up with and everything. But I, I do remember one of the best things you ever said, we can play great defense for 40 minutes and score a lot. And especially in that 94, you know, we watch, we rewatched the 94 season, what, five or ten times now this year, right. which is fantastic. That's what that team was a perfect example of. You can play really hard defense, play really good defense, but you can still score, and you don't necessarily even have to have, which we ended up having, tremendous athletes and great basketball players, but we didn't know that, and not early in that season. Right. That's the kind of thing I think we're missing right now. We're, we still have really good athletes. I think they can score. I just don't think they're actually being put in a position or understand the position they need to to score. Like for instance, Drew Smith last year when he came up, when he busted out on the on the scene last year mm-hmm. at the very beginning of the season, he he was a point guard, but he was a guy that was looking to score. And now he dribbles, he takes two extra dribbles a lot of the time into traffic, doesn't make the pass that looks like it's an easy one, and turns it over. When if he takes one dribble and pops a 17-footer, he probably makes it, you know, 45, 50% of the time, maybe 60% of the time. So here's and my it looks question. Like he's become hesitant. Here's my question about Drew Smith. How much of what we're seeing out of Drew Smith is SEC teams and coaches now having seen him for a full year and having a scouting report on him? Because he's not a great athlete. He plays old man basketball. And so maybe these guys have seen him and said, okay, now we know how to stop him. And all of a sudden – now this this rec league spin four times below the rim game doesn't work quite as well as it did in year one, maybe. That's a really good point. That's actually something that I would like to say on the other side. Is it not your coaching staff that needs to say, okay, you have a great 17-footer, a 15-footer. You're also, you've been really good at getting to the rim. They're not going to let you do it. Now, instead of going into the traffic, stop after a dribble, pop from 15, you do that three times a game, guess what? Then they have to come out on you, and all of a sudden, yeah. you get to one more dribble around them, you get to go back to what you're good at. Yeah, that's fair. That's, uh, that's, I, I, I mean, think that's I, a good call. I mean, that, that's, that's the adaptability of coaching, though. That's something that you see the tendencies. The other coaches have picked up on the tendencies. You're good because I think you're right. He's probably not a great athlete. But as a basketball player skill-wise, he's good enough yeah. to make a change or two here or there. I agree with that. And and I think and, he and Mark Smith are going to determine if Missouri has an okay season or a really good season. Because if those two guys play well, 
Like Pinson and Tillman are playing well. If 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 Mark and Drew join them, like uh, you know, there's a lot of focus right now on Mitchell Smith. That like he's the sixth or seventh man on this team. He's not what's holding this team back now. Yes, I, he needs to take fewer threes and maybe make more. But like Mitchell Smith isn't going to be the difference between you know a seven seed and a three seed. That's going to be Mark and Drew to me. Um, and those guys haven't been playing well for the last couple weeks. And and I think Missouri needs them to again. Uh, 100%. If Mark if Mark Smith can just do his specialty games and be confident in it and take the shot in rhythm when he needs to, because a lot of the time, I don't know if you've noticed the last few games, and, and maybe I'm the only one that has noticed, he'll he'll get it, and he'll get it in rhythm, and he'll get it in his hands, and he'll be ready to pop it, and then he'll put it on the floor, yep. and he turns it over more times than not when he does that. Yeah, just he's, he's a spot-up shooter, and, and I like, think it's time to just admit right. that. Yeah, and but when he does it, yeah, he misses two in a row, but he might make three in a row. But he hasn't right. really tested it this season where he's taken five of those opportunities to see if he's going to miss two and make three. Yeah, He'll take one, miss it. He'll maybe take another one seven minutes late. Well, that's not a rhythm. You're a rhythm shooter, man. Right. Take two right. or three. We can live with, you know, hey, we're a good enough offensive rebounding team. Take more. We might get the offensive rebound if you miss it and put it back up for a layup. Yeah, he was I mean, he was one of five tonight. Be better than our offense. He was one of five tonight from three, but I don't really even remember him. Like I was surprised to find out he right. took five threes. But he—that's because you know I feel like he takes it, he misses it, then he, then three or four more. He might have had two or three opportunities to take another one, but he's passed it up, and then seven minutes later he takes another one. No, he's a rhythm shooter. You can see it in his stroke. He kind of reminds me of like a. Uh, a young Thomas Gardner, not not okay. late Thomas Gardner, a very young Thomas Gardner, where he he got hesitant, but then finally I was it Mike Anderson I guess just told him shoot. I mean Ben Lindsay was one of my neighbors. I don't know if you remember him. Oh yeah, on that I remember staff. Ben. Yeah. He said we finally just we finally just told him to shoot. Yeah. Shoot. If you have it and you're you're a shooter, shoot. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing that I think this whole. In some ways, this whole coaching staff just doesn't know how to coach that style of offense, so to speak. Yeah. And again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. I, I love Mizzou, and I'm not gonna trash anybody. I love, I like Conzo. I, I like the whole coaching staff, but they gotta have somebody in there that that knows how to coach that confidence on the offensive side. Yeah. And those are the small things that others have that we may not have right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They'll. They, it. It'll be interesting to see, you know, because what you want to see out of this team is go on a little run. Like, you don't want one step forward, one step back throughout the SEC season because it feels like you're going to leave something. I, I mean, this feels like a season you should be 12-6 and six or better in the league, and you make that harder when you do things like go to Starkville and lose. Right. That Well, I mean, right now, the bounce back was great on Saturday. I thought that was a great, but let's not – I also – because of the our history, I was cautious in my own thoughts. Yep. Well, they didn't have their best player, so. But you know that that doesn't mean it's still not hard to go down there and win. Right. Um, this was a game where we needed to get over that because we still have we have a stretch of winnable games coming up. I think. I mean, I think every every game is winnable. But when you have a thirty point swing, every game's. Losable too. <laughs> exactly, hundred percent. And when you 
when it creeps into your mind as a player and a team after something like this, I, I think they're I think they're you know veterans enough they'll come together and figure it out and I think we got a good chance. But at the same time, every single time one of these things, what the, if there's a crack, are they gonna are they gonna fold? Right. Or are they gonna come back out stronger? They they let doubt creep in tonight, no question about it. And uh, and yeah, so appreciate the call, man. A lot of good stuff, and and appreciate you, you. Uh, staying up with us. Like the show, thanks, man. All right, Be thanks good. a lot. Have a good night. Uh, again, invite you, invite you if you got more to say about this one. Uh, I feel like we've said a lot about it. I'm not sure, uh, you know, how many more ways we can break down the second half, but I'm more than happy to do it. Going to roll through some of the comments. Uh, Jack says, reminds him of the 2018 Kentucky football loss. This one took longer, right? That Kentucky thing. Well, and here's the difference. The Kentucky game, like, you know exactly where it flipped. It flipped on the Lynn Bowden punt return. Like right then you said, oh, man, something's happening here, and you can feel it. I I don't know what that point was in this game. Like it was just all of a sudden everything was going well, and then, like I said, Ben Howland just like threw his controller and turned the game off and started over, and his team won by 27 points the rest of the way. I, it was I, like nothing led to it. It just happened out of nowhere all of a sudden. Um, bizarre. Uh, Cam says Pinson didn't have his best game, but he needs to be on the floor more. I agree. He's got to play the most minutes on the team. He doesn't get tired. Uh, I mean, he's a great, he's by far the best athlete on the team. I, I would tell him you're going to play until you're either in foul trouble or you tell me you're tired. I would play him like 36 minutes a night. I completely agree with that. Offense is better with him running it. Totally agree. Um, if Pinson and Tillman are not playing at a high level, this team just isn't very good. Well, the pro- yeah, I was going to say the problem is they did tonight and they still weren't very good. That's not true. They didn't play at a high level. Tillman played pretty well, and Pinson played okay. They were the two best players on the team, but it's that's not to say they played at a high level. That that would probably be overstating what happened. Um. See, yeah, just kind of rolling through, trying to get your guys' comments in, and uh, Adam and David, and appreciate all you guys who are hanging out here with us. Uh, if you do me a favor while you're here, if you're still here, hit the hit the like button on the show, uh, subscribe to the channel. You'll get alerts for when we go live. That way, especially these post game shows, like I don't know exactly when they're going to start because it depends how long. Like this was a really fast game tonight; it got over quickly. Conzo got into the press conference quickly, so we ended up starting about 15 minutes earlier than I thought we would have. Last week was about 15 minutes later. So if, if you subscribe to the channel, you'll get notifications for when we go live and, and you'll be able to uh, jump on when we do so. Uh, Breakfast King says, we, could we please stop playing weeknight games? I'm for that, man. I mean, 6 a.m. is going to come early tomorrow morning. So, yeah, let's quit the quit the weeknight games. Just play sat- every Saturday and Sunday. I'd be good with that. Uh, yeah, David – David Newman brings up a good point, man. I thought about it when when Conzo says, "Yes, I want Mitchell Smith to s- shooting threes. That's a quote that's going to be brought up. I knew when he said it. Oh, that one's that one's not going to go over super well. Um, Drew Bugs hasn't played much, but he's been disappointing. Yeah, he he hadn't been quite what I thought he was going to be. Um, I mean, he's no threat to score. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he kills you, but I, but I don't know that he gives you a lot either. Um, David can't think of anything to say, but I wanted to contribute, so that sucked. I appreciate it. That kind of sums it up. Uh, no question about it. 
Oh man, Josh, Josh fan, appreciate the super chat, man. I just, I just, I, I normally get an alert when that happens, and I didn't get one. Uh, so I hope you're still on, and and I do appreciate that. Again, appreciate anybody that I appreciate you guys just watching and hanging out with us. But uh, you know, anybody that that tosses that our way, we try to definitely make sure to get it on the screen and and, and give you a, a special thanks and special attention. So thank you for doing that again. I, I normally get an alert. I didn't see it earlier so i i do want to make sure i got to it um and, and thank josh for that and i believe that was actually josh who called in earlier and we talked for a while so um appreciate again all you guys that are here and <laughs> troy okay like i wanted to talk about this because it kind of became not the story i and look i'm not normally an announcer guy i normally really don't care much it's kind of background noise I mean, there's some I like a little more than others. I'll listen to Kevin Harlan call a game anytime. I, I really like Gus Johnson. But for the most part, announcers, eh, whatever. I don't care. But like Damian Fishback tonight, he decided five minutes into that game that somehow by playing 10 extra minutes against Kentucky, that Mississippi State like couldn't stand up. I mean, it was three days ago. They're 20-year-old kids. It was 10 minutes uh, in a really slow-paced game at home. Like they wouldn't. At like early in the day, and they went home and got rest and slept in their own beds for two more nights, and then came back. And I don't know. I guess they were just exhausted from. I don't. I don't really know where he came up with that. Um, I my special favorite was on a breakaway, and I can't remember which player it was. I think it was Molinar, but. A breakaway, he laid it up, and, and Fishback said, well, well, that's where you can really tell. See, if he's not tired, he dunks that. And then in the second half, when, when things flipped and when Mississippi State was, was not tired and was jumping all over the court and super excited, then his argument for Missouri at that point was that Missouri had been reading press clippings and believed the press clippings and thought they had arrived, and that's why they fell apart in the second half. It was... Bottom line, some of the most one-note, awful analysis I've ever heard of a basketball game. Like, to the point where I, I don't normally pay attention to announcers, and I wanted to turn, I, I wanted to turn the sound off. Um, it was dreadful, um, it, which is somewhat standard for SEC Network basketball games not called by Tom Hart or John Sunbolt. Those guys call the game. I love it. Um, other than that, I, I'm not a big fan of the uh the crew in general uh but yeah that was that was some of the worst i've heard uh no question at least he wasn't barry booker insulting cheerleaders or whatever it was that led to the suspension last year but uh pretty ugly okay david brady reminded me the biggest lead was 19 in that game in lawrence and they tied it with 15 seconds left so i appreciate the heads up on that that was we talked about that back on on the first call um Troy, Mississippi State shot only six threes and took the shot selection I dreamed Mizzou would stick to. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Tennessee only shot seven threes and beaten Missouri. You don't have to shoot 20 threes to, to score a lot of points. Uh, Adam, Drew Smith committed more dumb fouls than Tillman this season by a lot. I've said that a number of times. I totally agree with that. I think these past four games are the worst I've seen for Drew. Is foul trouble getting in his head? It could be. Uh, that could be part of it, but I agree. He's not playing well, and they need him to play well. Um, okay, last – yeah, David Brady says the last four games, 13 turnovers, six assists, terrible fouls, and only scored in double digits once, and it was tonight, and he didn't play well. So uh, that's 
That's interesting. I didn't realize it was that. Uh, yeah, Breakfast King says the Smiths aren't good right now, but we're a good band. I'll trust you on that. I'm not. I've I've heard of them, but I'm not super familiar with their work. Why does Mitchell Smith continue to shoot threes? We've we can talk about that for a while longer, Davin. But I don't know how we can fix it because we've not yet figured it out. Um, you know, and he's like a fourth or fifth year senior. Um, all the way back to the Illinois game, Mark Smith has been quiet. That's probably fair. Um, all right, we're reliving history. And look, I'm all for that. But, yeah, uh, again, I'm behind on the comments, so we're catching up. Uh, you know, and, and I understand people get down after losses, um, you know. Uh, but, hey, you got another one Saturday. And we'll see how it goes. Uh, this was a weird game. It was certainly a discouraging game. I just turned something off and uh, there it came back. Certainly a discouraging game. Um, I understand why people are upset. I think more than upset, just just weird. Just I, it kind of stunned, honestly. It, it kind of like Conzo Martin after the game, like, I asked the coaches what happened, and I, I was right there too. Just kind of how did that happen, you know? So, um, but it did, and it left Missouri seven and two, uh, one and two in the league. LSU comes to town on Saturday night. We'll have a pregame show at six thirty, postgame show afterwards. Hopefully, there will be a few more people. We'll hang out for a while longer because it's going to be a Saturday rather than a Tuesday. Um, tomorrow night, Mitchell Forty and I will be right back here with the five seven three report. Uh, Mitch has complete coverage on the site. I'm going to put Conzo's video up, put up some closing thoughts there. So appreciate you guys hanging out with me, uh, late on a Tuesday night. Um, sorry, sorry you weren't a little happier, but that's how it goes. Uh, so thanks to you guys. Thanks to Burger Smokehouse for, uh, sponsoring this show. Once again, smokehouse.com, get anything you need. Uh, great stuff. Um, pulled pork, beef, brisket, bacon, ham, turkey, all kind of, they've they've got like snack sausage, snack sticks, all kinds of stuff. Check out burgers. Uh, they're a big supporter of Power Mizzou, big supporter of Mizzou athletics also, and uh, so we want to make sure you guys support the people that support us and, and make this possible. So, thanks to you guys for hanging out. We're gonna wrap this up. Uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow night on the five seven three report and Saturday with more basketball. <laughs>